Trash Talk Live for a Sunday night, April 11th, 2021, and I'm Donald Wayne, rocking on. I'm Dennis Lee, listening on. Oh, well, you're in that box again. Oops, there you go. Well, you know, I've been accused of worse. Howdy, sir. Howdy. I haven't... uh, well, yeah, I just got out of the habit of clicking that box <laughs> since you haven't been in there for a few days. So <laughs> I mean, the, really. the box was empty. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Eric. Sometimes. Hey, Jess. Hey, Jess. Hey, Eric. And uh, DGBQ, whatever that is. I can't read all of that. Oh, we're still rocking in the background, aren't we? Oh, well, we are rocking you, away. You know who that is singing that? Um, no, no, right the second now. I think he's a one-hit wonder. I think we had him on our one-hit wonder show, uh, David Essex. I I have no idea who he is. I just oh well. I, just, I even thought it was a different group that did that song, but um, it it wasn't. It wasn't. So. How are you? You back in back in the uh, oh. real world of uh, yeah, b- back in the states. So yeah, back in the Very land good. of responsibilities and. <laughs> uh, well, I guess yeah, you can call it that. You have good weather. Uh, I think I saw a little rain go up through there. <clears throat> one of those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were up in uh, we were up in Pigeon Forge um, near uh, um, Dollywood. Uh, well, yeah, Dollywood and all that stuff, Gatlinburg, and yeah, there was a little rain that came through, but it wasn't bad. Um, didn't didn't wash anything out. So, did you actually um, go to Dollywood? Some, some pollen. We did. Yeah. Oh, we did. good. Um, <laughs> it was a uh, you know this a Pertwee's neck of the woods up there, I believe, and um, but yeah, we went. There was about twenty percent capacity. They said I, I couldn't really tell that um, by the amount of people that were there, but. Yeah, 20% um, of what? You know, that's the question. Right, <clears throat> right. And there was a lot of people to me. Um, but, you know, it was an experience. You have to go at least once. Well, at least you um, got to go this time. You know, the last time we stayed, what, five, six miles from there uh, when we yeah. rented that cabin up there, and, and we didn't even go to Dollywood. We went everywhere but there. Well, I mean, you, you know, from – from what we had to go through, you have to, and I guess especially during COVID, you have to 
um, secure your tickets way ahead of time. You can't just, um, especially, well, and this is spring break too. So, right. <clears throat> what made the situation a little more extreme, but um, you couldn't just roll up there and get tickets. You had to have them reserved ahead of time. So, and it's not cheap to go to Dollywood. So, well, that's the way um, it was when I went to, uh, uh, <clears throat> Disney World right after, you know, the first year after 9-11 might even been, might have been that year. I, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a strange place to go. The security was so high and, and it took forever for lions to get through because they checked everything except your underwear. But um, it, yeah, I, I always wanted to go to Dollywood and, and <laughs> that's why I was so disappointed that time we stayed up there and we chose not to go. Um, but you know, we still had fun doing other things, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was okay. Uh, you know, I don't ride rides anyway, so I, <laughs> so. You know, I was more into wanting to see the, the, the crafts and stuff they had there and different shows, I guess. And it was just when you're there, when you're only there for one day, you just have to kind of rush around. So, um, well, the last time, went to Disney world, which is about golly, I guess three years ago. Now I was actually designated grandchild babysitter. Of course I, you know, I kind of volunteered cause I'm not a big ride person anymore either. I mean, there's certain things I like to ride, but if, if it's got lots of curves and, and, and speed to it, I'm not real crazy about it anymore. My body's not anyway. And yeah. uh, so we, we sat there and watched everybody else ride the rides, but, uh, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a bad position. I got sick in Disney world in, in a virtual, uh, it was some kind of, uh, I can't remember which character thing it was. I almost think it was like a runaway. Well, I don't know what it was. Anyway, you sat in this thing, you look at a screen and then the, of course the whole, you're inside of this capsule and this whole thing is moving to, <clears throat> simulate you know you going almost like a roller coaster kind of thing and i got yeah. ill <laughs> I, I just was so glad that they opened the doors when yeah. they did yeah because I that virtual that. stuff can get you yeah we walked through we went to this place called wonderland and it was uh there was this big upside down building and you go in and you uh it's all these interactive things that it's mainly it's for kids that you know, kids can do, but the, when you first go in there, you have to walk through this tunnel, and and it's these, um, it's this. It looks like the tunnel is spinning. It's these lights that are going around. It makes you look like you're going through this, um, you know, this this this, this wormhole or something. And oh, it's yeah. just a trick on the mind because it's not actually spinning. But I had to close my eyes just to walk through it and hold on to the rails because I started getting sick. Um, yeah. and then when I closed my eyes, I even, I still felt like I was spinning. I'm like, what the hell? Well, isn't there um, something like that? Maybe it's, um, maybe it's Disney world. I was thinking maybe six flags, but since I've only been to six flags twice in 30 years, uh, probably wasn't no, you go to this six flags has that too. A boat ride a boat. Yeah. 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 And then six the flags. tunnel is turning like yeah, you're going into yeah. Um, it almost reminds me of um, the Willy Wonka scene where they're well, in the boat. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And and yeah. I get ill. I have to close my eyes 
because I mean, you really feel like you're about to turn over in that thing. Yeah, I made the mistake, and there was a there was a 3D or 4D <laughs> thing that you get in and you sit in the seat. So we went in there with the grandbaby, and I was like, "Oh, look, cool! Something we can all go into." And um, it was one. It was a roller coaster type thing. Yeah. So um, actually, it was a Oriental man that was uh, you were riding in the back of a rickshaw, but oh. he had. Uh, he had uh, he had fireworks or projectiles on his rickshaw that made you just you know go go down the road like it was on a roller coaster. So I had to close my eyes for the majority of that. <laughs> so, oh, so they allow that kind of a kind of a ride? I mean, you know. Oh uh, well, that's, yeah. I mean, is, is that's uh, not. Uh, <laughs> it seemed out of place for where we were at, but um, you know, it. Uh, you know, I guess they were they were trying to introduce some culture into that area. So, well, um, I, you have to give your hats uh, off to um, Dolly Parton because what she had has done for that whole area, just because of Dollywood and and what it's done for Pigeon Forge, and I mean, you're literally in the middle of. Not much, but they've turned not much it into, at all. Yeah, pretty good enterprise. With, uh, I mean, it's almost like going to Florida, except you're in the mountains. You know, you have the I mean, miniature right. golf and the the bumper cars and or the go karts. Maybe they don't have bumper cars. I don't remember. They have bumper cars. There. Do they? Yeah. Did you go uh, back to that place are... we went to? I uh, know uh, that... I drove by it a couple times, but uh, what oh, the big castle looking place? Or yeah. the go-karts place. Um, um, the castle-looking place I stayed away from because I remembered how hokey that one was. <laughs> um, yeah. And that we all you know, had uh, said that, you know, what a waste of money. <clears throat> so we stayed away from there. But we did go. My two favorite things was going to um, uh, uh, it's, it's the top of the mountain, Kina, Okinsha, or Kina some weird name to it, but it was this mountain. You can either ride the little lift up to the top of the mountain and, um, or you can take a truck, which I took and which was cool. Cause it was me and one guy and his child. And I saw baby black bears scurrying oh. up the side of the mountain. So, um, and, uh, it, well, that was pretty cool. And the other part was to the pirates voyage. It's kind of like, um, uh, what's that? Uh, what's that dinner theater they have out in uh, Gwinnett? Uh, oh, that uh, uh, the knights where they joust yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, medieval times. It's like that, but it's for pirates, and it's a Dolly Parton venture. So she is part of Dollywood. So, but it's on the strip. So we went to that, and I have to tell you that we did that. Um, uh, yesterday, so it was the last thing we did on the way out, and it was the coolest thing I'd ever been to. It was 10 times better, uh, than the medieval times. <laughs> um, I thought it, it was just, it was so cool, so it was a good way to tie to, to cap it off. And it was raining, pouring down rain outside too, so it made sense to be indoors, but yeah, pirates, um, swinging around everywhere, and cannons going off, and Dolly Parton singing a song. and well, she wasn't there, but they, they played it. So. Well, we did a medieval times down in Florida one time, and it was actually kind of fun. I mean, the, the show really isn't as much as you think it 
it's going to be, you know, from what they show on TV, at least my experience wasn't, but the, yeah. the, the food kind of thing was kind of neat. I don't know if you've eaten at one, but they, they give you these platters that look like, uh, I don't know. They look like, uh, iron plates or something. They're, they're weird. Yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then they, they give you a, evil times. Yeah. And then they give you a leg of <laughs> a chicken leg or, or half yep. a chicken or something. You have to eat with your hands cause there's no utensils and then, uh, potatoes and stuff. So that was kind of neat, but, um, yeah, it's but it's expensive. All that stuff is. Expensive. Oh, oh, very. Um, <laughs> I think the the worst thing for me was there was an all you can eat crab place there, and um, it's like you know we we're gonna like, oh cool. I mean you know crab. I mean it's expensive, right? So yeah, um, we went, and I tell you, um, for those of you that don't believe that you can actually spend. Over $200 at a buffet, I will <laughs> let you know that if you want to do that, you can go slap in the middle of Pigeon Forge, and there's a place where you can do that. Um, oh, my goodness. So, you know, some of these things you just have to live and learn. So, I th- uh, you know, a buffet would not be a place to go during a pandemic, but, you know. You you're know, a so long I- way from the ocean. I mean, with <laughs> crab uh lobster you know in the middle of tennessee i don't know i had to think about it (laughs) yeah Uh, where'd you catch those (laughs) went in rome so um well uh, it was it was an adventure we we all had a fun time we all came back uh intact Um, oh well good good that's a that's a that's a good thing and the grandbaby <laughs> has many stories to tell tomorrow at school so oh well that's that's, that's the biggest part that's of it. part of it hey crimson yeah. uh hey, crimson. you sneak in there um yeah well, yeah. yeah that would that's about it just uh, yeah <laughs> well yeah I, yeah i call I those mountain spiders i don't know if they're actually crabs i tell you what it the pandemic hasn't seemed to affect it golden corral much and the you know initially it did but every time i go by that place i mean they are packed uh people are not afraid to eat there i yeah, think they I actually mean, i think they may serve you now i don't know if they allow people to actually forage in the in oh the, they don't in let the, uh little jimmy go over there and finger the pudding anymore do i don't know, know. I, I heard or i read <laughs> that, that they're actually serving people right now because of the pandemic but that you know, part of the fun was getting it yourself, except, you know, unless you're behind little Jimmy uh, and he sampled everything. Oh, I don't like yeah. that. So he puts it back in the uh, tray and that. Uh, Jimmy, <laughs> mind while you're licking that off your thumb, I'd like to get some of these potatoes over here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where's your mother? <laughs> well, <laughs> okie dokie then. Uh, well, welcome back uh, and uh, glad you had a you. good time and glad the weather was pretty much. Yeah. Uh, cooperative for you. Yeah. Now um, back to reality. Get back to the grind. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful day in Atlanta today to be back. So uh, oh, yeah. was, was awesome. perfect today. Low humidity, cool yeah. breeze. Yeah. Why can't it stay this way? I don't want it to change, mm-hmm. but it will. Oh, yes. All right. Well, let's see. Let's go, let's go, um, 
First item on the list tonight. Let me move that out of the way. Um, there was a little update I saw today. Um, it was on Newsmax, and it's about our dollars that uh, our tax dollars are being spent to uh, house. What do they call them now? They, they don't, you're not allowed to use the word illegal uh, immigrants anymore. They're called uh, um, shoot citizens in waiting. Is that uh, <laughs> is that maybe uh, a term? Or? It, it may show up down there somewhere. It, it's they've changed. They've changed it to where you, you're supposed to officially refer to them as something else, uh, which doesn't fit the situation at all. But anyway, an update on our tax dollars being spent. Um, and this, this is uh, coming from Newsmax, dated uh, 411, so that's from today. Uh, while we recently talked about the Biden administration allocating $86.9 million to temporary house illegal immigrants, is, which is what we'll keep referring to them here, that have been allowed to come into our country. Original articles told of the amount of money that was going to be set aside, but didn't really provide a lot of details regarding how uh, much money was or how the money was going to be spent. Now, according to a Newsmax article, uh, U.S. Senator Kirsten Sinema was told that U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement will occupy several hotels along the southwest border, including Chandler and Phoenix. I always thought Phoenix was not that close to the border. But anyway. Yeah, you so, think about it, yeah. Um, I mean, you'd think of a lot of towns in, in Texas are close to the border. But um, anyway, so uh, she's been told that they're going to be putting a lot of people in Phoenix and Chandler. Um, of course, Chandler is a suburb of Phoenix, and, but it says that that's more than 150 miles north of the border. So they're going to have to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of bus busing going on. Um, this article also stated that ICE declined to identify specific hotels and locations, which is probably a smart thing, saying that only um, that the contract amount last month was with Endeavors Incorporated. So they've they've contracted with this company. It's a nonprofit company called Endeavors Incorporated out of San Antonio. And they're the ones that are going to be uh, handling, uh, I guess, securing all the hotel rooms they need. But uh, they're getting approximately 1,200 hotel beds in Texas and Arizona which really doesn't sound like enough compare, you know, considering all the people have been coming across the border. But uh, they say that migrant families will generally stay less than 72 hours for processing. But then they go down further in the article and contradict that. The contract says that San Antonio based provider, uh, uh, what I said, endeavors is basically a disaster relief and migrant services um, facility that or a facilitator that uh, allows uh, they also do uh, disaster work and so forth. Um, the first families that were housed around the San Antonio area uh, arrived, I think they arrived this last week. And Democrat Senator Cinema's office said that she had spoken with Alejandro Mayorkas. Mm -hmm. What in the heck? 
What the heck? Was that Mayorkas? He's trying to call me. Uh, Mayorkas, get out of here. <laughs> the secretary, he's the secretary of Homeland Security, at least for now. Uh, the one that won't admit there's a crisis on our southern border and stated that she will hold him personally accountable for protecting Arizona communities and ensuring all migrants are treated, treated fairly and humanely. Well, that's not working too well in uh, Texas, if you believe the reports coming out of there. Uh, the Border Patrol encountered 52,904 families along the Mexican border last month. 52,000. That's bigger than some uh, city's population. And that was up from 19,286 back in February and um, up from 3,455 back in March of 2020. The Border Patrol picked up nearly 19,000 children traveling alone last month. I mean, how do 19,000 children travel alone through Mexico? And that's the highest total monthly total on record ever. Uh, While the Department of Health and Human Services, which places unaccompanied children with sponsors, most often parents and close relatives, also has found some space in some convention centers and military bases and other large venues. Los Angeles County officials said Friday that its fairgrounds will be used to temporarily house up to 2,500 unaccompanied children. Uh, The Endeavors contract says that authorities anticipate the highest number of family arrivals in 20 years during the 12 months, the 12 month period ending on September the 30th of this year. Immigration authorities have been releasing families with children six and younger into the country while their cases are decided. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are just being released immediately. Mexico has also resisted taking back Central American families with young children, especially in, ooh, what is this, Tamalupas? Tamalapas? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a a state bordering Texas, Rio Grande Valley, in which it says it's the busiest corridor for illegal crossings. The U.S. flies some families to border cities like San Diego and El Paso to be expelled to Mexico from there. But he goes on to say Republican Governor Greg Abbott asked the Biden administration to close a holding facility in San Antonio because of allegations that they aren't there aren't enough uh, food to eat and boys are unsupervised in showers. Um, one of Tristalk's favorite people, Jen Saki, I always want to say Pasaki. It's hard not to say Pasaki. <laughs> said on Friday. I like that, to say Pasaki. Yeah, I know you do. You like Pasaki. It's like Pasaki. Pasaki. Jen Saki said on Friday that the administration takes the safety and well being of children in our care very seriously and that authorities would investigate Abbott, Governor Abbott. Abbott's claims. However, she made a point that as of now, we have no basis for his call to shut down the facility. So they haven't verified that need yet. Does that really surprise you? That, Not uh, at all. I mean, these people don't even recognize. I mean, if you told me 52,000 people came across the border in a month, <laughs> I think I would be concerned. Silent, yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I th- 
I think uh, Saki's uh, she's going to get a little bit stressed out as as if this situation continues as it's going because she's having a little bit harder problem answering some of the questions. But anyone under the illusion that Biden's soldiers would act on anything brought to them by a Republican is living in a bizarro world. You, you remember the bizarro world? Wasn't oh, that I Superman? Do. Bizarro world? Was that Superman? Um, I thought uh, Bizarro was a was a a, 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 a cartoon. Um, I don't know. I was thinking it was one of the, the alternate worlds in one of the Superman series, but I could be wrong. It's been a long time. It could be both, actually. It could it could be a cartoon and and in Superman. But um, according to U.S. Representative Henry Cuellar. The Border Patrol has been releasing migrant families, about 9,600 people as of last Tuesday, without notices to appear in court. These families are being told to report to an ICE, ICE office in 60 days. Can you really see that happening? <laughs> oh, we're going to no. let you go. But y'all, you know, you've got you got two months and you've got to come back and report to an ICE officer. They're in the country. You, you know, they know that if they go back to ICE, that there's a chance they may have to go back and leave the country. Do you think they're actually going to show up voluntarily? Now, I, I had read in uh, articles, you know, in the past that some people do actually show up uh, for their court hearings. But these are people that haven't even been, been given any notices about having to appear in court. So, uh, yeah, they're probably uh, long gone in 60 days. Jeez, I just um, that's that's not a crisis. Not and, a crisis, and mm. and we're paying for plane fare. Not only that, eighty six uh, million is doesn't count the plane fare and and the buses and all the other incidental expenses that that uh, we're incurring because of this problem. So, you know, of course, you know, Biden's already proven that he's not. Uh, uh, he has no intention of worrying about how much money he's spending. So, uh, hey, more power to him. Exactly. Um, you know, speaking of crisis, Donald Wayne, when's the, when's the last time you were at the actual mall? The um, mall? When's the last time you, you know, went to a mall here in town? You know, it's been so Since long. I would say maybe once within the last year or well, no, I guess not. Cause I haven't been since the pandemic. So it would have been over a year. Okay. So, I mean, close to a year and a half. Yeah. You know? Um, so there's an article that came out on the fourth of this one. So I guess it would have been, um, last Sunday, um, uh, that came out that talking about the downfall of the, uh, the American mall. And, you know, and you we think about all the different effects that the pandemic has had on our economy and all the small businesses. Well, some of the businesses um, have been in our American uh, in, in the malls in America, and you know that's been a huge pastime for a lot of teenagers and uh, millennials and whatnot uh, to go to the mall. Um, hey, slightly. Um, and the article says as vaccines uh, were rolling out across America, thousands of people aren't getting vaccinated at CVS pharmacies or local health clinics. Instead, they're heading 
to abandoned Kmart's, Sears, and Toys R Us stores to get their shots. I mean, what else are they going to do with the space? Um, for American companies that have seen store counts collapse in recent years, the symbolism of having abandoned stores turned into mass vaccination clinics highlights how quickly the world was changing before the pandemic and how COVID-19 accelerated a shift to an unfamiliar and sometimes dystopian future. I mean, because, you know, you got to figure that as like a matter, it was almost like overnight, we all went to ordering just about everything online. People are except for me. not going to, well, <laughs> except for you. Yeah. I'm an um, exception to I, everything. I, I know that I went, you know, except for like hardware stores and even some of that stuff. I mean, but office supplies, um, e- even things, you know, clothes, um, you know, groceries, everything started to be ordered online and people were delivering it right to your door. So what's the use of going to a mall? Um, at the end of the COVID-19 pandemic might be in sight as vaccine shops ramp up, but crumbling malls, the country's haphazard approach to healthcare and brands looking to capitalize on the new normal suggest our new dystopian reality is here to say, uh, to stay, the article suggests. Um, the last decade has seen American cultural touchstones disintegrate as part of the retail apocalypse. And, you know, we've seen that in our local malls, uh, Donald Wayne. I know yeah. that, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stores in these local malls have shut down. I Some couldn't the afford the rent. Reasons. Well, yeah. Um, there's talk of one of the malls um, not too far from you, well, well, for me, for all that, for all that goes, uh, to uh, to be turned into just a bunch of uh, you know condos or, or new luxury apartments, and just tear that thing down completely. Yeah, and I remember that story. I think that was actually came out before the COVID because you know business had dropped so drastically in recent years, like. Uh, several people have commented on here in the chat room. It's just, uh, you know, online ordering stuff online. People have just gotten so accustomed and, and I guess you, you can save time and money ordering it online, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I we says- used to enjoy going to the mall. It was an experience and especially during the holidays, it was such a neat place to go, but, um, that I, I have to say, I, I have never enjoyed going. I don't like to shop, though, so uh, I've never enjoyed going to the mall. Um, it's always <laughs> been a stressful event for me. Um, but Sears and JCPenney, well, they spent over 100 years building up their brands, and it only took 10 years um, for to for them to have uh, leave a whole trail of vacant stores and dead malls in the, in the wake. Um the demise, like so much in the last decade, can be linked to to, a, to the financial crisis after the housing bubble burst in the late. Uh, uh, many retailers were never quite able to get back on their feet. Hundreds of thousands of employees were out of work, and private equity stepped in, burdening mall brands with massive amounts of debt. And if anybody's familiar with any private equity group, they're looking at the return 
on a daily basis. So, and if it's not, if they're not getting that return, guess what? It's going to get shut down and sold. So, um, the American Mall began to face a spiral, a death spiral. John M. Uh, John M. Clapp, a professor <laughs> at the University of Connecticut Center for Real Estate, told the Insider in 2017, um, "Once a department store goes vacant, that tends to be contagious because all those middle mall stores, the nail salons, and the jewelry stores, and and you know all the little." you know, kiosk in between, they're all depending on the traffic coming from the bigger retail stores. So once they close up, then the other ones start to fade away as well. Um, there was a report from Coors Right Research cited by CNBC last August estimated that out of roughly a thousand American malls, a quarter of those will close down in the next three to five years. That's a pretty big chunk. That is. Um, so, um, you know, and it's impossible to ignore the Amazon effect. The Seattle bookseller sparked an e-commerce boom. I mean, you can order just about anything from Amazon. Uh, and then you got, you know, then you throw in Walmart. Um, there's companies like uh, uh, Glossier that I have not heard of. Allbirds and Casper. I've heard of Casper. Uh, was that the bad people? Um <laughs> You know, but, uh, you know, then you think of the traditional stuff that you would go into a store. I mean, because really the only way I would go into a mall is for like a ball cap or clothes that you want to try on. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, but now people, you can actually just put your phone up to your body and then it's like, okay, well, they've figured out your measurements. And yeah, I'm not real sure about that. Keep your, keep your clothes on to do that. Huh? Well, like yeah, Dennis uh, Lee, you don't take your clothes off. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I wondered why they were yelling at me when I was trying to do it. So, uh, but you know, you live and learn. Um, Maybe knocking on your door saying you're exposing yourself. <laughs> I was just trying to buy clothes. I mean, I mean, really? He said, I need um, my measurements, <laughs> not those. But, you know, Amazon reportedly held talks with the Simon Property Group. Uh, and it's one of the biggest mall owners in the United States to dis- discuss converting empty retail space into fulfillment centers that pack and ship Amazon orders. Um, so, I mean, can you, you know, can you imagine the, the company that actually knocked them out of business, although they were already on the decline? Um you know, they're looking to discuss actually going into a business venture with. I mean, what choice do they have? They still need to make money on that property. Crimson just called in. Hi, Crimson. Hey, guys. <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. I know somebody um, that's but- glad that you're back. <laughs> oh. Amen. <laughs> I apologize. Oh my gosh. Uh, the burden. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought I just thought that was an interesting article on you know the the you know the, the signs of the American mall just kind of going away and we're turning the corner into a whole new 
a whole new normal of uh, online ordering and app-driven ordering and um, the personal interaction is going to just start dwindling down even more, you know, even more. Um, I think I it'll know, be interesting to see what how all this changes what we do and how we do it, you know? I mean, who wants to go in the grocery store anymore? You just place an order and pick it up. Yeah, you just place an order. You're exactly <laughs> right. Place the order, drive up into the parking lot. You know, you call the number. They come out with your groceries. You haggle with one person, you know, to make sure they got the right stuff. And then you leave instead of 50 to 100 people that you would have to deal with. You, you're um, right, slightly. That's me. That's me. Although I don't like to order stuff online, but... Uh, you know, I, I don't either, but um, I, I can see it. And then, but then, you know, what is that going to do for the for the or the future? You know, for the kids growing up, and the, to are they going to be forced introverts? <laughs> are they? Gonna, well. You know, they're already heading that way anyway with video games and their phones. I mean, you know, give a child a phone, they can be sucked in their their phone for good 10 to 12 hours they don't even need people um, do they they can no or, or, or they interact with people they'll never never meet right. online no especially if they play they video games online but just step have, out of their phones long enough to eat or go to the bathroom i, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really miss going to the mall that we used to go to all the time anymore because it just it changed so much when a certain generation grew up it seemed like that that's all you had there every time I would go was, you know, teenagers and they took over the mall and uh, yeah. it's not a great experience for adults when, when you've got them running around and in great numbers. But that mall in this area uh, actually made this area because all that stuff that grew up, you know, around Barrett Parkway and probably even helped in Kennesaw and Ackworth, but that, cause it drew a lot of, a lot of business to this little corridor up here. And, you know, so without that mall, we probably wouldn't have had all that as quickly as we did over the years, but um, I'd rather go to this open air uh, shopping thing down here, the Avenue, just, I kind of like the outdoor thing. Well, you know, even the Avenue uh, we noticed, um, you know, few months ago well even further than that that there's stores in there that are shut down you know that um uh, two of the big restaurants that were over there are gone um and a couple of the stores are gone um one what, thing like you said the rents are too high um the macaroni grill is gone oh is it and the um and the uh, that not that fine dining restaurant that was there um i forget what it was called Oh, the, um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't really matter in the scheme of things, uh, but uh, I didn't gone? know that, I didn't <laughs> know they were gone. Now, macaroni grill yeah. service wasn't all that great anyway, but, uh, and it wasn't no, doing that well out here anyway. No, but it, it's at uh, that one restaurant had been there and, um, was a high end restaurant. And, right. It was overpriced. Uh, yeah, it was. A little <laughs> was that the steak place? Yeah. Yeah, and they had uh, their own chef, and the guy that was here wasn't so great. The one over on the other side of town supposedly a lot better, but it was just way overpriced. Yeah, yeah it, was, mean, it was expensive. I've only been there once, and I was like, oh, no. What do they think? This is Atlanta? I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Or, or North Fulton really. County? 
We don't, we don't make buckhead money out here. What are y'all doing? Huh? Well, as long as we don't lose Ted's. Um, yeah, Ted's. I, enjoy I like, I like Ted's. I like the margaritas but, at Ted's. But you can see a lot of it. And actually, uh, being out in the Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg area, there is a lot of businesses that um, were still not recovered fully from the fire they had in Gatlinburg, but also a lot of businesses out there that were affected by the pandemic that just never opened back up. Uh, what did you think I said? <laughs> Ted's. Did I say? Um, did Ned's? I, just... uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know what slightly thought I you mean, were saying. I'm having a little tongue tie issue here, but I'm... No, my... <laughs> Oh my. Well, well, slightly. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, what? Behave. Really? Hmm. <laughs> I don't think that's over in our neck of the woods. I, <laughs> I don't know what Eric's been I, telling it, you there, slightly. But yeah, we. <laughs> it may be on Eric's side of there, town. I, maybe I, up in Gwinnett. I don't know. Yeah, we. <laughs> we don't even have any adult shops over here in this county but, uh, that I know uh, of. Well, uh, well, or did uh, you did tell me something about somebody? You might have to backtrack on that, Donald. Okay, There's, I said, well, as long you can as go I'm up and down forty one and see those. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that's a liberal corridor. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all I got on that. The funny thing is, it is probably not interesting to anybody but me, but you doing this story <laughs> makes me think about it. And I'll just, <laughs> I remember the first mall that opened in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> what? What? Slightly. <laughs> Slightly. That could actually work. I think you might be on to something, sir. You're very entrepreneurial minded. You might want to roll with that. Um, I think those are only in California, but I, I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, Love the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I saw the first mall, covered mall, that ever opened up in Dallas, Texas. Um, and, and you, you said a covered mall? Well, it, well, it sounds like it had fabric over it. Is there was like actually a, a time. Like a wagon? Mall. Is that what it is? <laughs> Who? Wadagon. Uh, Wadagon. No, the inside mall? Yeah. Indoors? Where it's completely air conditioned and or, or conditioned. Uh, so like a like a building, is that what you mean? <laughs> well, well, like our mall down here that's going to put. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I don't know how to explain that. It was a, is a building and it had well, you a roof. said covered mall. We may get people confused well, that are out there. They, you I, know, vis they, I visualized a blanket is what I visualized. I did too. I was <laughs> they like, used well, to have malls that were on the old there. Chisholm Trail. We had the covered mall. We, <laughs> I mean, you can't say anything around these people. It, it, <laughs> these people. They, oh, you oh, people. Here we go. <laughs> That's you it, too. Uh, it, uh, but it was the first of its kind in, in Dallas, Texas, and it was out there at Big Town. You you remember where that is, Dennis Lee? Oh, uh, yes. Unfortunately, I do now. Okay. Well, that it's was not what it used to be. No, well, I know, but that was the first mall that opened in Dallas, and uh, okay. Uh, so, you know, I was there at the beginning, and I guess I'll see a lot of them go by the wayside. Well. <laughs> 
long time ago. All right. Oh. Well, you have any more else on the mall so I can? No, well, I'm, no, we're done with the we're done with the covered mall there, Donald Wayne. Or, strange. Or, or, <laughs> all right. I mean, I said covered mall. I don't know how else to. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that. Um, <laughs> now it got him worried. <laughs> what? It got you worried. Oh, I, I was looking. Oh, I was looking at what Eric had said on. In yeah, the he's a little uh, late, but I get it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that makes perfect sense, okay. Eric. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. We're we don't hang around in Fulton County. <laughs> yep. Location, location, location. Um. So next little story is about Hunter Biden. I mean, have you really noticed uh, the left? Doesn't, they don't think this guy's done anything wrong. I mean, they treat him like a, a returning war hero or something. He was on, uh, oh, what was that Liberty. show he was on the other night? Um, the late Kendall? show. Yeah. Jimmy Kendall? Yeah. Kimball. Kimball? Kimball's and bits? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> His show. <laughs> and I mean, they were laughing and cutting up about all the stuff that he had done. It was just like, uh, hey, you know, what's wrong with that? But um, so this is also another article from Newsmax by Eric Mack. I wonder if he's related to Newsmax. But um, oh. he said that the media's gentle coverage of Hunter Biden's drug abuse and criminality after years of relentlessly attacking multiple people in the Trump family, from President Trump all the way down to his teenage son, Barron, shows the disheartening hypocrisy and unequal scales of justice with the media. And Eric Trump was being interviewed by uh, Greg Kelly Reports on uh, Newsmax the other day. They actually had that, and I, and I thought, well, it's... It's about 13 minutes long, so I didn't want to play that. So, But uh, Eric Trump went on to say, you see how we are attacked by the media. You see how they weaponize the legal systems against us, how they come after us every single day, and how they criticize us, how they uh, what? And how they what? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, oh, Oh, parody us on uh, Saturday Night Live. Oh. I didn't know it was spelled that way. And, uh, you know, they made fun of him all the time, which I don't have a problem with people making uh, people on Saturday Night Live making fun of political, uh, you know, figures. But as long as they do it equally, as long as they do it on both sides of the aisle, which they do not do. Um but Eric said, we have lived honest lifestyles. We have lived clean lifestyles. We haven't gotten into trouble and we've never been to jail. So um, Eric continued to say, you look at the discrepancy, but you look at how we're treated versus how he's treated. And it really shows the unequal scales of justice in this country. It's very, very sad and it's very disheartening. And that's not how the system should work. Eric also told Greg Kelly that he, he does feel bad for Hunter Biden, saying that he's a troubled kid, but Hunter Biden should be spending his time in the media being a poster child for rehabilitation and the triumphs over addiction, which would be a beautiful thing for our nation. Yet as accepting as the media is of Hunter Biden's transgressions, it was relentless in its attacks on the Trump family. 
Eric called it mind-boggling. I think we use that word a lot, or those two words a lot here. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how many people would could actually have withstood the barrage, the amount of arrows that we have taken in our back, Eric said. And again, you know, I feel for Hunter. I have friends who have died because of substance abuse. It's no laughing matter. So basically that whole interview was nothing but Eric comparing the way that uh, the media is treating Hunter Biden of late compared to the way they treated anybody with the name Trump uh, for the last five years. So yeah, I think it's well, a sad commentary. I saw part of that Kimmel interview with, with Hunter Biden, and they were actually laughing about his drug addiction. They just, I, I don't remember exactly now what was being said, but they both were just in hysterics over that, and I find nothing funny with drug addiction. No, it's in well, poor taste. Can you imagine if if, if uh, Eric Trump was on being interviewed by somebody and he said, yeah, I've, I've done enough coke to fill the Astrodome and just laughing about it and just, you know, like there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, you know, it, it's not surprising because, you know, uh, they've been pretty consistent with their one-sidedness for five years. But yeah. it's just amazing that they can laugh. The things that they laugh about when it's about a liberal person as compared to a conservative. And it's just, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. Eric said it. It's mind boggling. So I don't know what the story is about Parmesan cheese. I'm thinking he must have tried to smoke it or something. I, or, or smoke it or snort it. I, uh, well, I, I don't wouldn't know. advise it, people. I what do you do with Parmesan it? cheese besides throw it on uh, Italian food? I mean, that, my goodness. Is, is there a California method to Parmesan that I'm not aware of? Good Lord. What's that in a... Uh... <laughs> Oh my goodness! Is that in a Snoop Dogg video or something? I don't know. I don't know. I I may have seen that somewhere. Well, I, I hope they're using the uh, good brand. <clears throat> my goodness. Of Parmesan? Well, yeah, not not the store brand. Yeah, I need to use fresh Parmesan. <laughs> oh well, I mean. Oh, he smoked it. <laughs> that's that's even worse. Allegedly. Allegedly. allegedly the Who are you talking about? Hunter, Bi Hunter Biden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he I was messed up. He didn't even know what he was putting in his mouth. So well, he didn't even know that. He doesn't even know where his laptop is, much less is that your laptop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't really well, know whether that's my laptop or not. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Could be. Um, well, uh, while we're while we're talking about criminals, I mean, oh, I mean, I didn't mean that as to say uh -huh. that Biden was a criminal, um, but I mean, so Biden's gun control policy would treat everyone like a criminal. There's an article out by the Washington Examiner that um, is is hinting towards that. <clears throat> Were you aware of that, Donald Wayne? <laughs> was I aware of that? Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, President uh, Joe Biden uh, unveiled a series of executive actions, and I believe you already talked about the gun control, um, uh, but this week uh, he unveiled them aiming at uh, limiting access to firearms, firearms <laughs> and tightening regulations on who can purchase and own them uh, compared to the extreme gun control measures Biden has been talking about. 
these policies are much more subdued. But it's clear this is just the beginning of a much broader, more restrictive agenda. Um, there are six new policies Biden plans to roll out. First, the Justice Department will create modeled red flag laws for states. They're also known as gun violence restraining orders. There are good arguments for red flag laws, which target lawbreakers with restrictions on their freedom that are narrowly tailored to protecting the innocent. This is rightly a state matter. It's fitting that Biden isn't proposing federal red flag laws. The Justice Department will also begin publishing an annual report on gun trafficking, and the administration will invest in community violence intervention programs. Both of these are common sense reforms that don't infringe gun owners' civil <laughs> liberties as guaranteed by the Second Amendment. Um, this always ought to be the first test of any proposed gun regulation. How does it affect the law-abiding gun owner? On this test, Biden's other proposals fail. Biden would require the Justice Department to create a new rule to make clear when a device marketed as a stabilizing brace effectively turns a pistol into a short-barreled rifle subject to the requirements of the National Firearms Act. The only purpose of this policy is to undo Supreme Court precedent and subject, uh, subject more innocent gun owners to federal regulation, including re registration requirements. The notion that a device with lawful functions should become restricted to only those who register it because there are, always, there are ways to use it for illegal purposes is not a notion any free people ought to accept. Biden also wants to crack down on ghost guns, self-assembled firearms that don't fall under a legal classification and are therefore exempt from mandatory background checks and serial numbers. It is totally legal in America for people to build their own firearms. Biden wants to make sure that it is as difficult as possible to do so. We'll have to wait for the legal text proposed by the Justice Department, but it's likely Biden will go after the businesses that supply self-assembly firearm kits. Again, the point here is to restrict access. Do criminals build ghost guns? Perhaps a small number do, but again, a free country does not treat the whole population as criminals. The existence of ghost guns makes regulating firearm ownership more difficult. This is not a bad thing as the nation's founding fathers would agree. In a modern context, it forces the authorities to abandon the foolish pursuit of gun control laws, whose main effect has been always been to tack longer sentences onto defendants who are even more disproportionately non-white than those prosecuted for drug crimes. Once the discriminatory fool's errand of gun control has been abandoned, policymakers will have to focus on anti-crime initiatives that have a chance of actually working. <clears throat> the last part of Biden's initiative is his appointment of David Chipman, a gun control advocate, to head the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Chipman has described, him, has described himself as a proud gun owner who has been mischaracterized as a gun grabber. But he has endorsed controversial policies in the past, including restricting high-capacity magazines, 
Most recently, Chipman claimed it was concerning that so many first-time gun buyers were purchasing firearms during the coronavirus pandemic. Really? Should they not? (laughs) Biden's... (laughs) <laughs> Biden's attempt to restrict ghost guns and stabilizing braces will be the policies to watch closely. He is clearly trying to test the waters to see whether these restrictions hold up. If they do, he will undoubtedly pursue an even more aggressive agenda. He's already promised as much. Um, and that was an article, um, like I said, by the Washington Examiner. I mean... They're, you know, we knew they were going to go after it, and it's unfortunate that we've had any of um, any of the mass shootings that we've had here lately. Um, it's just well, it just always seems to open that uh, open that door. What an idiotic statement for somebody to make that you know he was alarmed or surprised that so many people were buying guns during. Uh, last year's uh, lockdowns when they were allowing yeah. people to hit the street, burn people's businesses <laughs> and cars, exactly. uh, you know, people, and then they were wanting to defund the police. And so, you know, people are going to do what they got to do to protect their family. And yeah, I don't that, know why, I don't know why the government, you know, why the citizens are concerned. The government will take care of them. Oh, really? I'm certainly not against uh, background checks and so forth. And, and some of, some of that, is necessary, but, uh, this, you know, the only people that you're going to hurt by, by some of these gun laws are proposing are people who would do it legally. Anyway, you're not going to stop criminals from doing what they do. Uh, they're going to get their guns. You think that they go get a a background check (laughs) by how many gangs get background checks to go buy guns or like, uh, Hey Rico, you better go down and get that gun. registered, man. Yeah. You better get Um, that sucker registered before you go waste a bunch of people at that. You're not going to sign up in our gang. If you don't have a registered gun, I mean, it just ain't happening. And they never talk Uh, about the criminal element. They always, but the, who they're going to restrict is, is, is uh, law abiding people for the most part, not to say that sometimes people, you know, with mental health issues, don't get guns and, and do bad things. But um, by and large, you know, criminals aren't going to pay attention. And that's who's doing most of the killing in this country if they would pay attention. But they never talk about that. And, and here no, lately, no, we've had several, uh, several murders in the news and people are using knives. So when are we going to have some yeah. knife legislation? <laughs> you know, knife, yeah, you know, nothing longer than an inch. Uh, well, well, my peel that, peel that um, potato with that sucker. I'm telling you. So, what was it that uh, this was off subject? Biden kept calling that uh, alcohol. What is it? Bureau of Alcohol and Tobacco and. Uh, Firearms. Yeah, yeah, but he, he he was calling it AFT or something. Oh, it was the ATF. He was calling it the AFT. Yeah, yeah. yeah America's that... funniest uh, <laughs> terrorist or something like that. America's uh, funniest yeah. what? <laughs> he, he said it in a press conference. Yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah, uh, but I, I oh forgot. My goodness. <laughs> well, oh it my doesn't goodness. take much for him. Yep. No, not at all. Well, I agree with what you said, Donald Wayne. You know, all you know, it's the uh, law-abiding citizens that all these 
things are going to interfere with. Of course, again, we're not against background checks. I mean, but get the criminals. Go get the criminals and all their guns first. And they're getting all their stuff from across the border anyway. So it's yeah. it's not it's if they would talk about the crime element and st- because really what they're doing is is they're going to restrict you know, law-abiding citizens with their, you know, from having guns. And again, there's those cases where people with mental issues probably shouldn't have been able to get a gun. But, you know, if, if they don't get it one way, they're going to get it another. Um, and probably illegally, but it's it's too one-sided. Well, we know about some of those people that did some shooting that the FBI already had them on uh a list, you know, they were already watching them because there were problems. People had reported them. I don't know if it was family or co-workers or what, but because people weren't <laughs> acting right, they had been reported. So they were supposed to be watching a few of them. I'm surprised that, the FBI even admits that they, they, you know, when something like that yeah. happens and then they admit that, well, he was on the radar. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I would admit that. <laughs> You know, I I can see some supervisor saying, okay, this guy's got to go. Yeah, we've been looking at Larry for three months now. I don't know what happened. It must have fell through the cracks. The same thing was true about January 6th in in, in Washington, D.C. There were people on the radar that they knew were in town. So if they were worried about these people, why in the world didn't they take precautions? So, you know, it's... Government likes to create a bunch of laws, but but they never enforce the one. If they just enforce the ones that are on the books, there would be it'd be a big difference yeah. in the way things are done in the country today. Well, but, I figure that get you fired up there. Well, you know, it's 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 all part of the plan. Um, everything that they're doing is part of a plan. If they could ever eliminate uh, Americans from owning guns, they could pretty much do just about anything they wanted to do, but that's or never going to happen. Huh? <laughs> or knives. Yes. Yeah. Knives. Uh, how many bomb control uh, laws are there on the books <laughs> that people can't, True. I mean, you can order this garbage online. There's people who teach you online how to build a bomb. I mean, you know, maybe we should be working on them too and and create laws that you cannot post that. And why don't they work on this guy that keeps calling about the car warranty being up? I'm so (laughs) sick and tired of listening to those people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, You know, what's a shame is my nine year old granddaughter, uh, gets a call. and We were joking about that on vacation. It's like, um, you need to go ahead and answer it and tell them, look, I'm stressing out. I'm only nine years old. Where is my car? <laughs> you know, oh, you yeah. don't even have a car. I don't need a warranty. No. And one of them was in like, uh, like uh, Mandarin or something. It wasn't even in English. Mandarin. Yeah. yeah. Mandarin. Don't, don't tell me how I understood what they were talking about, but uh, pretty I think sure there's an app on your phone now that, It'll translate foreign languages for you. Yeah. It, it will, but uh, mine usually gets across. So. 
need a new update to my app, I think. Well, you're always trying to uh, do do some foreign words anyway, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, I always stretch it to the extreme. Yes, well, you know, I mean, we could list the things that they're just just are are wrecks waiting to happen that Joe Biden. I mean, can he actually come up with something that would help the American people? Uh or the country, I should say the country. But uh, well, well even could, the American but... people, because you know, Trump constantly was looking out for us and trying to do things and make our lives a lot easier and you know, Biden doesn't ever mention us. Much less mm. American people. He just he he's not worried about that. It's just how much money he can spend. Right. Sorry. That's all right. Uh yeah, I was listening to horribles. <laughs> I was listening to Charles Payne. Do you have a thing about? Oh, you have a thing about uh, spending money later on if we get to it. So I'll 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 save my comment. But I, I listened to Charles Payne tonight. You know, a guy that's on Fox a lot. He's one of those financial experts, investment yeah. experts, and he had some comments to make about all the money that the Democrats are spending. So, uh, but I'll save that since you're going to do that. Do you have a this day in history, Dennis Lee? Well, Donald Wayne, I'm I'm glad you said something. We do have a this uh, this day in history, and uh, it's today, um, April fifteenth, two thousand and fifteen. Barack Obama and Raúl Castro meet in Panama. Um, for the first time in over fifty years, the presidents of the United States and Cuba met on April eleventh, twenty fifteen. Barack Obama and Raul Castro, uh, Castro, Castro, Castro. Uh, yeah, Castro. You didn't know he was French, did you? Well, at least uh, you didn't say castrated. <laughs> well, he's probably have a, had a few people castrated. Uh, President of Cuba and brother Fidel Castro, um, with whom the United States broke off diplomatic contact in 1961. They shook hands and expressed a willingness to put one of the world's highest profile diplomatic feuds in the past on the old apology tour. Um, President Dwight D. Eisenhower had cut diplomatic ties with Cuba after the Castro-led revolution overthrew a U.S.-backed dictator and installed a regime that was friendly with the Soviet Union. For the next five decades, the U.S. sought to isolate Cuba economically and politically, Though it failed to get other nations to join in its embargo, it did manage to severely hamstring Cuba's economic development. Fidel Castro stepped down as president in 2008, the same year that Obama was elected. Early in his administration, Obama signed laws and executive orders that eased the U.S. embargo of Cuba and made it easier for Americans to travel to the island nation. Taking over for his brother, Raul Castro expressed a willingness to reciprocate, and the two shook hands at a memorial service for Nelson Mandela in 2013. That year, officials from the two nations discussed normalizing relations at secret talks facilitated by Pope Francis I in Canada and at the Vatican. The following April, Castro and Obama met, shook hands, and posed together for photographs in Panama City, Panama. Both leaders stressed their desire to work together, but warned that their meeting was only the beginning of what would have to be a long dialogue. A short time later, the Obama administration removed, removed and removed <laughs> Cuba from its list of state sponsors of terror 
and the diplomatic relationship was officially reestablished in July. I mean, like overnight, they were perfectly fine. Um, the Cuban thaw, along with the joint comprehensive plan of action between Iran, the U.S. and its allies, was one of the major foreign policy accomplishments of, Obama, of the Obama administration, if you can call it that. And as such, its reversal was priority for his successor, Donald Trump, who tightened travel restrictions between the two countries. The Trump administration did not manage to end commercial travel between the two countries, nor did it close the U.S. Embassy in Cuba or ask Cuba to vacate its embassy in Washington, D.C. And that was on this day in history, April 11th, 2015, um, back during the apology tour. Oh. What happened? Hello? Hello? Donald Wayne. How are we here? Donald Wayne? <laughs> Sorry. Are you there, Donald I'm, Wayne? I muted myself so I could oh. respond to Cummings, and then I forgot to turn it. I'm sitting here just talking to you, and I realized you kept saying, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's so why I hate to on? mute that silly thing, but this, this little keyboard is so loud. What's going on tomorrow? I, I don't uh, even know what I was Cummings? saying now. Um, so uh, Cummings is interviewing uh, a very special guest tomorrow on his show. Oh, nice. We saying who it is? I, I didn't know if I could. I, Juanita Broderick. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a really big shoe. Yeah. It, it is. Very exciting. As, as Ed some, Sullivan uh, would say, of course he did a it. Revealing, uh, a revealing. What? Report. You're revealing what? Well, not just yet, Donald Wayne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to boost the ratings there, Dennis Lee. I don't know. <laughs> and we'll have a reveal tonight that you I didn't don't know, know about, Donald Wayne. I don't. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Doug yeah. said naked at the mall again. Yeah, well. <laughs> Oh, well, they're shutting the stores down. Might as well make it a, might as well go for broke. Yeah, um, just out for a brisk walk. Yeah, <laughs> brisk it was. Um, you ready for the boys to come out, Donald Wayne? Uh, yeah, I guess so. If it's not tied <laughs> to our most recent comments, but yes. Uh, um, I don't even, we didn't even do them last week. Anybody. Oh, you did? What's that squeaky little sound? What's that I don't squeaky know, it noise? Like a little baby, you, you, something you need to tell me, Donald Wayne. You could. Somebody has to tell me. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I, I kept thinking last week that uh, Robert might drop in and play play the uh, the song, and I never was prepared to play it, so um, it never got played. We just did it without it. 
Oh, the boys never showed up at the studio. Yeah, well, they, oh, well, they, they must, sure they took must my have, money. I need to talk yeah, to they, about that. I thought they went with you. All right, so uh, these are, is it past, it's past midnight, so these are calendar days for April the 12th, which is today. Today is National 412s Day, and F-O-R-12s, not the number 412s. Um, you say, what does that mean? Well, what does, oh, what that, does mean? that mean, Donald Wayne? <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a little late, but that's okay. Uh, the nation will honor a magnificent number that holds significance in several ways. We measure our days in two 12-hour sets. We kind of talked about that last week. Uh, we buy roses, eggs, and pastries. We purchase them by the dozen. How many months I of the buy year? About eighteen. Uh, yeah, I know they've they've messed that up, haven't they? Uh, how many months are there in a year? That's where you say. Well, that's where you say. Oh, are you, you trying yeah. to? Are you making me do math here, Donald Wayne? Well, when I ask a question, uh, of course, math lovers appreciate twelve because it's a perfect number of divisors. Sports fans remember all the great athletes in every sport that have worn the number twelve. Terry Bradshaw, John Stockton. I have no idea who that is. Uh, Jim Kelly, I remember. Dwight Howard. Does anybody know who Dwight Howard was? Um, and Sounds then Joe, familiar. And Sounds Joe Namath, familiar. of course. So of those, I, I knew three of them. Terry Bradshaw, Jim <laughs> Kelly, and Joe Namath. So 12 is a special day. So it has its own day that we celebrate the number 12. Um, yeah, we talked about that, why 12 is such a big thing, you know, last week, because uh, there's three uh, joints to each finger, except for your thumb. <laughs> did, did that make you look at your hand, Dennisley? I was actually having my shoes off. Sorry. Uh, okay, well, I don't think you have that many <laughs> joints on your toes. But all right, so today is also, also National Big Win Day. <laughs> The Big Blow uh, commemorates the recording of the oh high, <laughs> highest natural wind gust measured on the Earth's surface. That sounds like something that you would do. Uh, not the wind, but, you know, the story. On oh. the afternoon of April the 12th in 1934, the Mount Washington Observatory recorded winds at 231 miles per hour. Um Mount Washington wow. is, is the highest peak in the northeastern United States at 6,288 feet and is the most prominent mountain east of the Mississippi River. That wind record held until in 1996, a typhoon struck a small island off the coast of Australia with wind gusts of 256 miles per hour. My goodness. So, I mean, that's 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 a pretty big blow. So, anyway, it's National <laughs> and, Big Wind Day. It it's National <laughs> Big Wind Day. At least they didn't name it Big Blow Day, but um, yeah, so well, that, that might that might bring some partiers out of the woodwork. <laughs> I don't know, Donald so, Wayne. <laughs> so the next one's for Just Duck. It's National Colorado Day. Um, April the 12th recognizes the 38th state to join the union on August the 1st, 1876. <laughs> now, why they would have it on April the 12th when they didn't join to August the 1st, I don't know, but that's just what they do. 
The hmm. first of the four corner states, Colorado is dominated by the Rocky Mountains. Can anybody name one of the other four corner states besides Colorado? Do, 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 do. I have no idea. Well, I didn't know we were going to have a test. Well, uh, okay. All right. Um, the uh, Colorado is dominated by the Rocky Mountains. The Spanish first explored Colorado seeking streets paved with gold. Colorado had both gold and silver booms in its past. And it's Wait a also what? what about the four corners? Uh well I don't know what they are. I was just wondering if anybody else did. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking maybe Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, and uh South Dakota, maybe? I don't know. Okay. Uh Utah, oh, Arizona, New Mexico. Very good, Mr. Kirk. Okay. All right. So one of those that I was saying it doesn't count? I don't know. <laughs> um, so it's also National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day, mm. um, which recognizes one of the top comfort foods in the United States. So that's a comfort food. Did you know that? Cheese. According, Well, the, yeah, the grilled cheese itself. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. According to historians, many cultures around the world have enjoyed cooked bread and cheese since ancient times. Well, that's oh, really? not surprising. I'm surprised they mentioned the Romans. Mission <laughs> mentioned the Romans here. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, the Roman mission was to, <laughs> to cook their was bread. Really about cheese. Uh, okay. Our version of the grilled cheese originated in the 1920s. As sliced bread and American cheese became easily available, Americans began making om jolly open faced I said omen open faced grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Got to take those lessons. All right. Now my favorite one here. It's National Licorice Day. Spell licorice. 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 You said licorice. No, it's, that, it's, uh, it's spelled Licorice. Licorice. <laughs> oh, I thought that was somebody from biblical times. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> probably not one of the good people if it was. Um, this celebrates licorice in all its forms. It also recognizes its history, health benefits, and distinction around the world. You have oh. plenty of varieties to choose from. Licorice candies, ropes, jelly beans, jewels, balls, cookies, and even and <laughs> even ice cream. Wait, wait a second. So you have licorice balls, Donald yeah, Wayne? I don't just, think I've ever seen those before. And jewels? And yeah, jewels. jewels. <laughs> they kind of go together, but it sounds like, would they be like jelly beans? Um, you know, I don't know not really all of these things. I'm just, I'm reading this. I have oh, no Okay, idea. I was just, I didn't know if you did some more in-depth I've only seen on the that. licorice ropes and the jelly beans, so that's... Yeah. Well, that's cool. and those boxes of plenty, that's licorice. It's got a candy coat on it. Right. Yeah, but they're like little jelly beans or something, aren't they? Or I... I Oh, they got candy on them, though. Okay. Well, if you're a fan of licorice, and this is something I didn't know, uh, if you're a fan of licorice and have noticed that it makes your tummy feel better, I mean, how many people use the word tummy unless you're talking to kids? Uh, there's a reason. 
Licorice root can soothe a stomach bothered by heartburn or gastritis. The hmm. glyceric acid in licorice. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. And you, you have no idea whether I'm pronouncing that correctly or not. Since you're not I hope I don't ever but have to drink any of that. That, <laughs> that acid <laughs> in licorice contains immune boosting and anti-inflammatory properties that can help to restore balance to the stomach lining and all these i'm spending money on medication and all i gotta do is go get some licorice root well uh, yeah i didn't know that licorice was made from a root uh i've never seen it at the grocery store uh licorice root um I, you probably wouldn't see you may maybe at one of those health food stores you might find it. I'm gonna go look for some licorice root. But I think you can just get the licorice candy and and see if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But you know that's kind of a neat thing. I'm gonna try that. Uh, I mean, I like Twizzlers, but I don't think it's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. <laughs> well, and you have to. It has to be the black licorice. So you know. oh, I hate that. You get like stuck in your tar. teeth and you smile and. <laughs> <laughs> So, I love it. That's that's it, Dennis Lee. Oh well, let me get the boys. They're over here digging for some roots. Um, <laughs> Liquor's yeah, roots the yard with some glycerinic acid. Yeah, they on plenty of that. appreciate the heck out of that boys it sounded a little lifeless i mean they're just out of practice because they've been sitting well, around for i, I think five Lenny or six had days. a little bit of that black licorice he had licorice in his what? mouth <laughs> I tell you, need to start chewing something that'll keep my tongue out of the way um, oh my goodness so <laughs> Since we're we're getting long in the tooth here, um, oh. why don't you go? I'll I'll yield my time to you and let you do your story. Oh, yield um, to the since, senator from yeah. Since you haven't been uh, had the opportunity to to uh, do this for oh, a while, I'll go ahead and do your story, and I'll say my stuff now. I've got Tuesday night settled already. Oh well, okay. Um, I appreciate this. Will get you good and riled up. That's for sure. Um, I need a good yeah. rylance. Well, uh, <laughs> allegedly. So Andrew Stutterford um, from the National Review put a story together about that's actually titled Stuffing Their Mouths with Gold. And no, it's not some weird, um, not some <laughs> weird adult movie. It's actually about the Biden and Yellen tax cartel. Um So it goes on to say, at the time of the establishment of Britain's National Health Service, uh, a Nuren Beaven, Labor's health minister, faced serious opposition from, um, among others, top doctors, unenthusiastic at the prospect of having to rely solely on the state for their income, a potentially dangerous challenge to the uh, uh, nascent NHS. To calm them, he agreed that they could continue seeing private patients alongside those from the new health service. 
as Beaven put it, I stuffed their mouths with gold. I mean, I, what? I know, I take offense to that. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> that's what he said. He said, which brings me to the proposal first floated by Treasury Secretary Yellen and later confirmed by President Biden that the administration will work with other nations to agree a global minimum corporate tax rate. So the author says, as I wrote in Wednesday's Capital Note, cartels generally operate in predictable ways. One of those predictable ways is that they attempt to keep prices high. Part of the price of government is tax. It is unsurprising, therefore, that Janet Yellen has floated the bold NPR's adjective, not mine, he says, an <laughs> idea of a global minimum corporate tax in the wake of what is planned to be a substantial increase in America's corporate tax burden. He says he also wrote this. So is there any prospect that the G20 will go along with this? No. For years now, there have been steps to take steps toward corporate tax rate harmonization within the EU with some support, shockingly, from greedier governments such as those in Berlin and Paris. But they have gone almost nowhere. Many EU states, notably, but not only those in the bloc's poor East, regard low corporate tax rates as a source of competitive advantage. And they have been correct to do so. They have no interest in throwing that asset away. But this issue should not be reduced to one of securing a commercial edge. Different EU member states have different views on the right balance between the private sector and the public. And for that matter, on what the right level of taxation, where the right can mean many different things, and spending should be. Above all, perhaps they regard issues of taxation and sovereignty as inextricably intertwined. If the EU, a reasonably close-knit grouping, cannot agree on a minimum corporate tax rate, the thought that the G20 would be able to come to any such agreement is absurd. Instead, the EU and other U.S. competitors will regard the corporate gains tax increases, if enacted, as merely the latest stage in the wake of the president's green agenda in a helpful American effort to hobble itself. We can be sure that quite a few of them will do their best to make the best of the business opportunity that will arise as a result. He says, I added that if the U.S. tries to bully other nations into compliance, part of the proposed package includes higher taxes on the U.S. subsidiaries of countries that do not play along. It would add diplomatic fiasco to the economic stupidity that is the corporate tax hike. This provides a nice little example of how incapable progressivism is of leaving room for a genuine diversity of practice. Not only must progressives ride roughshod over the 50 American states in order to make their plans workable, but ultimately they must ride roughshod over every other country too. We hear this race to the bottom language all the time in a domestic context when, say, Florida or Texas decides to lower taxes or cut regulations or diminish spending. Now we're seeing it used globally 
as an unashamed, unashamed means by which to stamp out the dissenters and prevent them from competing with America. The race to the bottom is, as the Tax Foundation has shown, something of an illusion. Corporate tax rates fell sharply after the 1980s, but over the last decade or so, they have, roughly speaking, plateaued. <clears throat> and um, so uh, the, the writer says, I like the fact that the world is full of nations that do things different from one another, and I wish to keep it that way. But leaving that to one side, I'm slightly confused as to how this fits in with another tenet of the progressive worldview that the United States is a bully. For many smaller nations, nations have less economic clout and fewer people. Lowering taxes to encourage investment is a primary means of gaining a competitive advantage. What right does the United States have to try to take that away so that Joe Biden can pay for a set of infrastructure plans that don't benefit them in the slightest at all? Indeed. Not only is this whole bullying thing not going unnoticed, there is also a possibility highlighted by Ben Wright in the Daily Telegraph that it may backfire, not just diplomatically, but in a way that could be much more profound. Taking a different view from me, Wright argues that the U.S. might be able to force this, though. The U.S. certainly has a big enough stick for which to coerce other countries. <laughs> the U.S. dollar is used in... 88% of all international foreign exchange trades, as of right now, according to the Bank for International Settlements. The U.S. demands banks give it access to these cross-border currency movements. Fail to comply, and they can be shut out of the dollar-clearing system, which effectively means being shut out of world trade. This has allowed the U.S. to develop a variety of financial techniques against terrorist groups, organized criminals and enemies, uh, enemy states such as Syria, North Korea, and Iran. So far, so fair enough. But in recent years, dollar weaponization has been used to more prosaic, uh, prosaic ends. And in 2010, the U.S. started demanding that global banks reveal which of their clients were American citizens with more than $50,000 in investments. In effect, this law called the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act forced banks to act as long arm of, as one of the long arms of the IRS. However, the G20 is uh, quite a disparate collection of countries. Many will want to play nice. Those that don't like the sound of Yellen's proposal may think about accelerating their plans for whittling down that big stick. China, for example, has already made huge strides in developing a central bank digital currency, which is in another article that I'm going to do for another one of our segments. The digital yuan, uh, yuan, yuan, <laughs> whatever, yuan, yuan. Um, somebody can correct me on that. It's primarily designed to allow Beijing to better monitor its population and economy. But as a handy byproduct, it would allow the development of an alternative international payment system beyond the prying eyes of the U.S. And China is far from alone. Of the 60 central banks surveyed by the Bank for International Settlements last year, nearly two-thirds said they were looking at creating their own CBDCs. 
the more cross-border transactions that are conducted with these new digital currencies, the weaker the U.S. hold over the global financial system and the less effective its sanctions. The dollar has seen off plenty of challengers in the past. But if Biden's plans accelerate the development of alternative financial systems and undermine the greenback's hegemony even slightly, it would have to go down as one of the most spectacular economic owned goals of all time. Yes, it would, especially given the amount of the debt the U.S. is running up. If the dollar's reserve status starts eroding, the cost of persuading investors to lend to Uncle Sam is going to rise. The effects of that will not be pretty indeed. The Biden administration, however, is clearly aware that its attempt at physical imperialism may well be poorly received, and so it has now proposed a grand bargain. Leading advanced economies would get the power to raise corporate tax from U.S. tech giants and other large multinationals, and in return, a global minimum corporate tax would be introduced, enabling the Biden administration to raise significant additional revenue from U.S. headquarters companies to finance its infrastructure program. Specifically, the U.S. is offering to give all countries the power to tax a slice of the global profits generated by around 100 of the world's largest companies. The amount each country can raise would be based on companies' sales in that country. Many of these companies are based in the U.S., so it would have to surrender part of its current taxing rights in order to meet what its proposal called popular concerns in all our countries about mega corporations. In exchange, the U.S. said it would expect other countries to drop digital taxes they had unilaterally proposed. It also specified that the new regime would not focus only on digital businesses or U.S. companies. The FT writers notes complaints that most of the money divvied up under such a scheme will go to the U.S. and Europe rather than to the poorer parts of the world. But those who are complaining are missing the point. To go back to Beaven and and the doctors, it was above all the most qualified that he needed to satisfy. It was their mouths he stuffed with gold. Equally, if the administration's global minimum tax rate is to find some sort of acceptance, it is the Europeans that Biden and Yellen will need to win over. And by the Europeans, I don't mean the EU's bureaucracy, which has predictably welcomed the idea of global minimum, but the countries that make up the EU, as well as others such as the UK and Switzerland, some of which, as noted, may not be inclined to support this American move. Thus, the promise of gold, and thus the calculations of being reported in another telegraph report here. The proposal is a significant move and um, to free up what has been called a logjam in international relations over tax, but would cover all large businesses rather than just tech companies. It raises the risk that British and European firms with significant intellectual property, often in the form of powerful consumer brands, will end up paying more to the U.S. And as a sidebar, why does that encourage them to do more business with us? 
As a result, British officials are understood to be ta- to be keen to calculate the likely end result of tax flows in both directions across the Atlantic to make sure it is in Britain's interest to back the new plan. According to the campaign group Tax Justice UK, the proposals could raise um, thirteen and thirteen point five billion for the uh, a chick wear ex uh, yeah. say what so okay. But uh, if, you're on your own. If enough, I know, right? Uh, if enough larger countries will only agree to Biden's proposal on the basis that they will make money out of it, that will mean that the U.S. taxpayer payer funds will be used to build a tax cartel designed to protect a raid on U.S. taxpayers. Oh, and consumers and workers too. And yes, this is a raid on all U.S. taxpayers, not just greedy corporations. As Ryan Young noted in an article for Capital Matters this week, corporations do not pay any corporate tax. Individuals do. That is because companies pass on their costs. Some of the tax is paid by consumers who pay higher prices. Company employees pay some of the tax through lower wages. And investors' retirement accounts pay some of the tax through lower returns. So while it might be good politics to stick to big corporations, or at least to posture that way in front of voters on television cameras, a corporate tax rate hike would not accomplish its intended goal. Instead, taxes are paid by individuals who then get less for their money receive smaller paychecks, and have a harder time saving for retirement. In a 2020 study by Scott R. Baker of Northwestern University, Stephen Teng's son of City University of Hong Kong, and Constantine Yanellis of the University of Chicago, estimate that 31% of the cost of an increase in corporate taxes is borne by consumers, 38% by workers, and 31% by shareholders, or about a third each. Other studies have found different ratios. A 2020 Tax Policy Center study, a joint effort between Urban Institute and the Brookings Institute, estimated that an 80 to 20 split between investors and labor. The Tax Foundation Stephen J. Entine estimated that in 2017 that labor pays 70% or more of the corporate tax. Differences aside, these studies share a common conclusion. Ultimately, corporations themselves pay no corporate tax. It's also worth paying attention to this part of the Telegraph's report. Meanwhile, businesses groups are concerned that a global minimum rate would make, could make it difficult for governments to use tax breaks to incentivize desirable behavior, such as extra investment. And that is a fair point. If the proposal global minimum tax is to work, uh, it, to work, it has one way or another to be binding, but it is hard to see foreign governments agreeing to any pact that is so rigid that they can't run their physical policy without the, with the flexibility, uh, tax breaks and so on. They say they, they may believe their economies require at any given time, but if they're allowed to retain that flexibility, However, it is easy to see how it could be used to make a mockery of the Biden-Yellen tax cartel's rules. 
I mean, and this this goes on for a good while. So I'm going to make sure this is posted on our Facebook page. But it just goes to show you what, and, and this is a very long article, but it just goes to show you that you have to get down in the weeds to really see what they're trying to pull over the American uh, workers' eyes, you know. Well, it's because uh, they throw sound bites. Right, exactly. Exactly. We're going to tax the most wealthiest companies. Why, how can people not think that that's not going to have any kind of effect on the American worker or on the goods and services that we have to pay for? Are on the benefits that you that you depend on, and I'm not talking about ones from and from the government. I'm talking about yeah. ones that you actually take that are taken out of your check. Um, you know, it's just, it's 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 the worst of the worst. Well, these people have no. I mean, it's almost like they have no intention of doing anything that makes sense in this administration because. I read that article. I didn't read the whole thing. I skimmed through it uh, when you said that's the one you were doing and just to kind of get a feel for where it was going. And um, I think it says in that article, or I looked on somewhere else that there's some countries that uh, European countries that actually have corporate tax rates that are around 13 and 15%, 18%. Now, why in the world would they want to jack up their their corporate rates to match ours? Uh, it's going to affect the ability of the people in their countries to be able to buy goods and services as well. Right. And, right. and like you said, I think the article uh, alluded to the fact that, well, you know, some of these countries would certainly want to take a, uh, take advantage, um, you know, of being able to attract businesses to their countries. If the United States went you know, went forward with their attempt to jack up the rates on uh, American corporations. So why would they give away that, that uh, card? So I, I, but yeah, you're, you're sitting at 13% and and what, what's the corporate rate they want to take it to? Remember, was it Um, 28%? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, 28%. So you're going to go from 13 to 28% if you're some little country. Um, but that's the thing. They don't sell it right in this country. They always tell, you know, the, they, there's a, a method to the madness of saying, you know, corporations don't pay their fair share in this country. Uh, they say that for the same reason they use the words racist or racism, because those are the only things that stick in some people's minds. Oh, well, hell yeah, these people ought to be paying more money. These millionaires with the yachts and, and traveling all around the world. But... <laughs> Like the article said, those aren't the people are going there. Those people are still going to travel around the world, still going to have their yachts, still going to live like kings. Uh, it's everybody else trickled down. Uh, you know, the people won't be able to afford the goods or they won't get the raises that they need. Well, yeah. Look at New York. Uh, the most affluent New Yorkers can expect to pay 13.53 to 14.78% income tax on top of their uh, other tax bills um, with the proposed tax hike that New York's looking at. And legislators uh, envision raising another $4.3 billion in revenue this way uh, 
perhaps they forget that the highly affluent people are are also highly mobile. Like they, (laughs) you know, they can, they can move out. There's nothing to keeping them, you know, chained to your, to your city. I mean, and you know, they're the, the New York state and city are unusually dependent on high earners and the city, the one percenters paid 42.5% of all income taxes in 2018, 42.5%. Meanwhile, the nightlife and performances that have long been the city's principal attractions to affluent people remain mostly shut down. So, I mean, you know, and then the streets are messier than they've been in decades. The article says restaurants are operating at half capacity. Homeless encampments are everywhere and crime is way up. I mean, yeah, sure. Sign me up for 42 and a half percent to pay for all that, that I'm getting back in return. Um, <laughs> it's just like California. I mean, you know, uh, with San Francisco, you already have, um, what if, uh, if, one of the highest costs of living, maybe not probably not the highest cost of living, but one of the highest costs of living um, uh, in rates the in, in, in the country. And then to walk out of your front door and you don't know who you're going to have to step over or if you're going to get stuck by a needle in the street. I mean, you know, what, what, where, where do they think that all this actually makes sense? And they don't pass laws to clean anything up. <clears throat> they keep passing laws to take more away from us. It just doesn't make sense. Right. With some promises on the side about what they're going, all the good they're going to do for people. You know, it's, it's funny that Biden is pushing the, it's not funny. Nothing. When I say it's funny and I don't mean that, ha ha. But uh, I was watching Mark Levin tonight while I was eating and, um, he had Shelby Steele on there, which that's another whole subject altogether. I love listening to Shelby Steele, but Charles Payne was on there. Um, and he had some very interesting comments about, you know, number one, how much money we're spending. And he said, the only way, only reason we're getting away with spending the money we're spending in this country, spending money that we don't have is because a lot of the other major countries in the world are doing the same thing. Japan, uh, Russia, uh, England, so France, they're, they're, they're basically printing money so they can do all these things they want to do. But Mark Levin was saying, you know, how did Joe Biden get rich? He's rich. He's very rich. And he did that being a U.S. Senator. Uh, what I think their pay was, uh, maxed out at, I think it's 179,000. I believe, or 182, and back when he was a senator, and then I don't know what his pay was as vice president. But uh, Mark Levin was saying what Joe Biden and his wife did is they created a couple of S corporations so they could funnel a lot of their wealth and their money into these S corps, so they could basically shelter, uh, you know, uh, <coughs> shelter themselves from a lot of taxes. So. You know, the guy who is does the same thing that a lot of the other uh, rich people in this country do, and they, they find ways to shelter their their uh, income, and they put it in places where it doesn't get taxed as, as much, or if at all. And uh, the rest of us are still left out there swinging, you know, uh, yeah. having to make up for the difference. So it's a, 
It's Joe a, Biden and that group, they're, they're lying to the American people just as much as they lie about everything else. And they've got this utopian society thing they've built in their head. And it's, uh, there's no way to pay for it. No. No way to pay. And they're not going to get all these European countries to fall in line and agree to raise their taxes, you know, corporate taxes. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if they could get two or three. But they keep saying these things. It's it's none none of what they're doing makes sense. <laughs> the <Yeah>. border, <laughs> cancel culture, taxes, voting rights. Name one positive thing that he's done in two months, or given us one thing that's a positive outlook for this country since since he's been president. Now, I know it's been a short time, but he's sure doing a lot of. Um, Risky things. Yeah. It's a mess. It's it's a mess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that Mark Levin episode tonight was very good. And, and uh, if you can, you go back and listen to it, especially the part with Charles Payne talking about the financial issues and, and what we're doing in this country, spending money that we don't have and trying to raise corporate taxes, uh, which is, is – is a bad idea. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Where are we? Oh, we're getting close. I guess yeah. we um, we I better. Eric, Eric in there. Hey, yeah, Eric. I might, as well, might need to go ahead and start wrapping it up. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should. Well, <clears throat> well, the Podbean Live shows to be on the lookout for include um, the uh, the old man's podcast with Dina, Joe, and Eric. The the chit chat with the old man show and that franchise goes live. You know, weekday mornings starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and should John DeVito be doing live shows this week, be on the lookout for him to do do shows around 1130 a.m. Eastern time after the old man wrap, wraps up his morning show. And then on on Podbean Daytime, um, be on the lookout not only for the Milk Dog 2020 show and and names like Lauren Lou's Communication Station and Accidental Chaos and and Pink Squirrels, whose podcast is this anyway? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, you could also be on the lookout for Bob Ramu to do his Penny for Your Thoughts podcast in, in daytime. So, you know, he's worth checking out. So be on the lookout for him. Um, weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time is, is the Cummings' Culture podcast with our good friend Jeremy. But Monday evening, he's going to be on at a special time of either 7.30 or 8 p.m. Eastern time with that... Um, big interview with Juanita Broderick. So definitely hashtag fill the live cast for that. And that'll be followed at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time by the Slightly Serious Show as we are presenting an, another evening with the Free Think Institute. Um, so, and, and of course, Slightly is on at weeknights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern with impromptu shows after hours and on the weekends. And also be on lookout for um, Lady Me's A Day in the Life of Me podcast, as well as Crazy Town, and and mon- Mondays usually around eight PM Eastern time. You've got Corey, Jason, and Mike Tampa Bay doing Uncommon Sense from the Green Room podcast, and usually most evenings around eight PM Eastern time, you could be on the lookout for the comedy podcast, Checking Billy's Not Your Cup of Tea, and Chris, um, our good friend from the Forgotten Tunes podcast, is going to be changing time slots, so. You could start looking for him around 7.30 or 8 p.m. Eastern time as, as well. Um, 
and also be on lookout on on Fridays and Saturdays for names like Chris Unplugged with two P's in a podcast, Mysteries of the Paranormal with David, as well as the It's Doomsday podcast and Lyrical Oxidives and the Turfy show and the Old Man's Friday Night Music show on Fridays after the Slightly Serious show. Um, and also on Fridays, The Swap Doesn't Lie with our good friend Felix. Um, and also be on the lookout for, for the Ralph William podcast, Should He Return? He'll normally do his morning show weekdays starting at 6 a.m. Eastern time and hopefully a new season of his Friday night sex talk with Virgin Ears is, is in the works. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted if we learn something, something new and, and also be on the lookout for names like Lingalonga and names like freedom warrior and, and, and a few more, more great podcast friends. Um, but um, in the meantime, we want to give a, a very big thank you to those who joined our live cast who deserve it. You know, if your name is Jess Duck and your name is Crimson, if you are James from the Slightly Serious Show or Sir Minty, Jeremy from Cummings' Culture, the dude Sean and Boney and and Chris and and a, and a and a couple other you know decent names versus the unflattering troll names. Um, but but speaking of the trolls, thank you as always for boosting our engagement numbers. Um, you know, and yeah. but but I'll just leave it at that, Donald Wayne Dennis Lee, yeah. but. <laughs> But uh, don't thanks, don't Derek. don't be fooled by some of them troll names where they're trying to goat you into saying some naughty words. Yeah, I know that's that's just. And ho- on, ho- hopefully we we look forward to do, doing this again Tuesday night and seeing each other around on Podbean. But w- now we're going to turn it on over to Dennis Lee. He's going to tell you how you could get in touch with Tall Tales in the Rabbit Hole and Trice Talk, as well as you know the the live cast schedule and where you can find previously published episodes of our our great podcast shows. Thanks, Eric. Dennis Lee. <laughs> oh, Dennis. Oh, Dennis. Dennis, can you hear us? I'm back. <laughs> All right. I I'd muted myself. Well, the floor I was pulling, is yours. A Donald, pulling a Donald Wayne. I apologize. Uh, it um, happened. <laughs> no, uh, thank you, Eric. Um, yeah, you know, if you'd, if you'd really like to, uh, you know, tickle our twitter um do that on twitter um at trice talk wg moon yeah tickle your um, follow twitter. us there <laughs> yeah exactly um if you like to you know ask us questions about the show or email us or you know send us articles suggest or story suggestions ideas or you know pictures but keep them decent i mean that last one that came through um yeah, do that trice talks <laughs> I was just going to say quickly, BP's been sending a lot of stuff, and we appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it is appreciated. Yeah, we're grateful to have BP as a friend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, email us at tristalk69pts at gmail.com. And, and, and of course, yeah, if there's anything that you would like to hear us talk about on the show, um, as long as it's something that we can talk about on the show, then we will definitely take a look at it. Uh, and it's appreciated. Uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook as well. Because all the shows are posted there, and a lot of the articles that we use are posted there as well, and a lot of them in real time um, as we're on the show. Um, I encourage you to go there and and to follow to get updates on on what's going on in the Trice Talk world, and to follow us on Podbean as well for new shows that will be coming up. And make sure to go to uh, Amazon. Uh, music and you can find us and also on Spotify and um, we are on every Sunday 
Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 11 p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone with many pods done in between. And Donald Wayne, I mean, what can I say? You've been doing a hell of a job doing the mini pods. Thank um, you, thank a lot you, thank of people you. are checking those out. So yeah, uh, I appreciate but, it. Well, we, 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 we love y'all. We appreciate you. And uh, look, we couldn't do it without you. Uh, thank you. Well, well, and of course, Tall Tales of the Rabbit Hole comes on those same nights too. But the big rule, no weirdos, sickos, and, and racists allowed. Yeah, Tall Tales came back. Uh, we got back on the circuit after our uh, vacation hiatus there. So, yeah, if you want to get weird, uh, listen about, um, you know, abductions and um, hauntings yep. and uh, any Probably other weirdness. Conspiracies. Yeah, a lot of conspiracies that involve <laughs> probings. Um, come over to Tall Tales in the Rabbit Hole every Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern in the time zone with impromptu shows as well. And we thank you. We actually got through several days without talking about your favorite planet last week, although uh, BP tried to instigate something, and I'm I'm not quite sure. I think somebody else did too, but I'm I'm not going to say it because I, I it well, may be uh, I don't want I don't want to be incorrect. But it's uh, turning into well, a cult like well, uh, <laughs> well, I know we're about to sound off the two minute yeah. warning. All right, yeah, it's so, turning into like a cult like following. There, that's, so. Yeah, that's uh, naturally. Uh, the closing thought for tonight is real quick. It's just because my path is different doesn't mean that i'm lost and i have no idea who came up with that but i thought that was appropriate i i could probably say that to a lot of people <laughs> but we do appreciate everybody spending time with us tonight i uh, we'll hope you come back again on tuesday we'll we have a trifecta tuesday wednesday and thursday and uh, i'm going since we're getting real close here i'm just going to uh Cue this in, Dennis Lee, if you want to hit the lights. The and party's we'll say, over, Donald. Say, Love you. God bless you, everybody. Um, we'll see you next time and see you around Podbean. Take care, everybody. Night, Eric. Night, Dennis Lee. Night, Night. John Boy. Jim Bob. Yep. <laughs> Stay safe, right, Donald Wayne? Betty Lou. <laughs> Betty Boop.
Skating, skating.